morning. If you're online or here on site, we're glad you're with us as friends in this community. We've been uh, we've been in a series called Reset. Uh, how many of you guys would like to reset 2020? I would I would love to go back to March. What was it? March 14th, 15th, and uh, and hop in a maybe there's a 19th. Hop in a van and drive to Mexico. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could hit reset button and go back and be able to do that? Um, it'd be awesome to not worry about how many people are coming into our house for Thanksgiving. It'd be awesome to reset. You know, this year though isn't the only year that people would wish they could reset. I think this is a this is a obviously a timely series for us, but it's also something that over the course of time um, in our lives we have years that we wish we could reset. So it's about choosing your normal in a world of unnormal times. This week we're talking about grumbling to gratitude. So happy Thanksgiving. Somebody really smart came up with putting this one on today's date. Uh, I do want, before I get rolling, I want to credit. Somebody put credit where credit's due. Uh, Anne Voskamp uh, wrote a book called 1,000 Gifts. And uh, Carrie Lynn actually read this book uh, quite a while ago and read me a few, read me a chapter to it, I think, a few years ago. And then just recently we revisited it and found some really great stuff. So I want to say thanks for that. So grumbling. Let's start with grumbling. From grumbling to gratitude. So, um well, my two oldest kids work at Starbucks, Anna and Isaiah. Sorry, Frank, if you're here online. Um, they work at Starbucks, and there's a rumor that if you grumble or complain in the drive through lineup, and it's early in the morning, and you're ordering your cup of coffee, you might get decaf. Now, I can't confirm or deny that this actually happens. It's just a rumor but just so you know, you might want to think about how much grumbling or complaining or Brent giving them a hard time in the line. Grumbler, the grumbler, the, the critical, the woe is me, victim mentality, uh, the entitled. Think for a second. Uh, when, you, when you're telling stories, when you're talking with your friends, when you see somebody, when you give them a call or the... The first things are the stories that you tell as the dialogue that you have revolve around complaints, around shortcomings of other people. Is it around problems in your life? Is it listing all the negatives or is it listing all the positives? Is it gratitude? You know, if you want to increase your level of grumbling, which some of you might want to do, um, I would encourage you to do what Carolyn and I did, have four kids. Um, you know, my four kids, I love them dearly, but I think... I think that they think that our job as parents is to just follow around behind them and clean up all the messes that they make. Eric, you agree with me? This is what they think. We've explained this to them many times, but they just don't even understand, seem to understand. And I don't get why. Carrie Lynn comes home from work. And, uh, and if you know Carrie Lynn, she likes things in a certain way. And she gets home from work, and the kids have been there all day because they haven't been going to school during COVID. There's things out of place. And the first 20 minutes to... Three hours is spent going around listing all the things that are in the wrong place. The drives are crazy. Um, but the house, you know, the house pales in comparison to the family van. Am I right? 
the mess that kids leave behind in the family van. I actually got a picture of Anna's car. So you can get a glimpse of what our van looked like when the kids were little. Here it is. This is a shot from a few days ago in Anna's car. You know, years ago when the kids were little and I'd get in the van and I'd think, I think you guys are mistaken. This isn't the green and blue bin out back. This is our family vehicle. You know those pockets behind the driver's seat? I would cringe reaching in there to clean them out. One time I, uh, I pulled out three Happy Meals worth of product in there. And we hadn't even been to McDonald's for a month. I caught Ben and Eli one time. They were selling compost out the back of the van in our driveway. They'd made it in the back of the van, actually. And Unruh kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know what a messy van is like. Am I right? No. (laughs) Okay, I was trying to connect with the kids. Today we're supposed to ponder gratitude, I guess. Moving from grumbling to gratitude. So I got this, I got a text. Here's a screenshot of this text that I got from Neil Anderson. He's playing guitar this morning. Didn't the band do a great job? Like, so good, right? Thank you. Neil on the guitar, the electric guitar. I love it. He he knew I was preaching this morning on gratitude. So he sent me this thing. It says, booster positivity, practice gratitude. Now, Neil is a guy that knows how to be thankful. Any of you guys that know Neil Anderson, he knows how to be thankful. In fact, on every bike ride we go on, part of the SunWest Biking, Mountain Biking Group, he doesn't bring lights when we go at night. He doesn't bring bear spray because other people are carrying it. He doesn't bring water because other people are carrying it. He doesn't bring a spare tire. He doesn't bring really anything except him and his bike. Uh, instead, what he does, and this is marvelous, he borrows from everybody around him so that he can be thankful. Isn't that beautiful? Just so he can be thankful. Even, like, he he is so thankful, even during COVID, he will sip a little bit of your water, right from your bottle, just so he can be thankful. No, I'm teasing. He would never do that. Well, he might, but I wouldn't let him. Uh, just the other day, I guess it was two, yeah, last week we were out, two weeks ago we were out, and we did uh, we did a ride with the SunWest group at night, and it was awesome. We rode in Bragg Creek, and, um, and, and once again, Neil always travels a little light to depend on others to be thankful. His light, his light was about like, it was about like holding a tea light out. Others are wearing big, bright lights, um, and he just follows right behind really close. Now, the truth is, Neil could probably ride better, or he can ride better in the pitch dark than I can ride in broad daylight. But anyway, he rides, he rides with this very dim light. And I've got a, I've got a, actually got a picture here. This is us on the group ride, and you can see some of the guys there. And you can see they got their lights on, and they're shining, and my light is shining into them so they, could, they light up. And then you can see Neil there. You see his light? Me neither. He's right behind me the whole way. I, I, got, a, I got a nice picture of Neil, though, actually. He headed off. Uh, down the trail, and I'm like, oh, I want to get a great picture of Neil. I'll send it to his family. It'll be awesome. Here it is. There's Neil on the trail. That's a that's a keeper. I'm thinking about printing it at Costco, giving it to him for present Thanksgiving Day present. But Neil's text 
There was some truth in that text that he sent me, that screenshot he sent from his computer. You know, research has shown that gratitude has real-world benefits. It opens up door to relationships. It improves physical health. It improves psychological health. It enhances empathy, reduces aggression, helps you sleep better, improves your self-esteem, reduces depression, aids your immune system. These are all things that that, uh, doctors have come to realize. Who doesn't need a better immune system these days? But is there more here than meets the eye? And today we want to take a look at that. We want to look at the scripture. There's a couple passages I want to read today. I want us to look at together today and see if there's something deeper going on that the Lord calls us to as people who follow him. So the first is the, is actually the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. Um, it was the night that he was betrayed. He gets together, if you're familiar with the story, he got together with his closest friends. They sat at a table, and they shared a meal together. And it was the night that he was betrayed that his friends ended up deserting him, that Judas stabbed in the back, that Peter denied him multiple times. The crowd turns against him, and eventually he was taken away, hauled away. He was made fun of, he was mocked, he was beaten, and he was killed. Paul tells the story of that night where they shared a meal together this way. 1 Corinthians 11, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Carries on in the same way. He took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So on what we might be able to say is one of the worst nights of his life, what does Jesus do? Does he complain? Does he grumble? Does he give up? Does he look for a way to get out of the capture that's coming? Does he hand out swords to all his buddies so they can fight back against the Romans? Does he walk away from his friends because he knows that they're going to walk away from him? What does he do? He gives thanks. Fascinating. He gives thanks. Think about that. When do we give thanks? We give thanks at Thanksgiving dinner. We sit around the table and we'll say, what are you thankful for? And we'll go around the circle. Maybe that's a tradition in your family. We give thanks when something awesome happens or we win a prize or whatever. Something good happens, we give thanks, right? That's just natural. We give thanks. But what about all those moments that aren't when something good is flowing in, right? How often do I give thanks in the middle of difficult moments? So if you look at the Greek, that word, when he said give thanks, it's a beautiful word, actually. It's eucharisteo. Say eucharisteo. And if you're at home online, say eucharisteo too. It means give thanks, show gratitude. Does it look familiar? The word eucharist. How many of you heard the word eucharist before? comes right from that word. They just took off the last two letters. Many churches use this word for what we call communion or the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table, the name that comes right from the text when Jesus gave thanks. Isn't that cool? I didn't know that. learned that when I was prepping for this. 
This, this word is actually made up of some, some other words embedded into it, which I think really bring the richness and the beauty of this word, of this word forward. So we have charis. Say charis. It means grace. It's right in the word. Boom. Grace. Embedded right into it. He took the bread as a symbol of his body breaking. and saw that brokenness as he held it in his hand. And he saw it as a grace. He saw that moment as grace and he gave thanks. Kara, car in there is a, is a root word. Kara is a root word in there that means joy. So it's fascinating. This word is a, is, puts together a bunch of different ideas. It has karas grace, and, but it also has kara joy. Not happiness, not like when I get a like on my something account. It's, it's deep joy. It isn't fleeting. It isn't gone in a second, like happiness is. It's deep kara joy. So communion, the Lord's table, the Eucharist, Eucharisteo. This word, this idea, is at the very center of our faith. Am I right? It's Jesus' death and resurrection. It's the cornerstone of our entire faith. Gratitude, grace, and joy. All in one word. A rich word. And thus, I think it ought to be at the center of our lives. Every day should be lived Eucharistale. Are you with me? Back again, read the scripture. It says, on the night he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. The bread. Common everyday food. Bread and wine. Bread and fruit juice. Tim's and a bagel. It's just regular life, right? He didn't take something that you didn't use every day. He didn't pull off, you know, he didn't go and bring in some special caviar or lobster or ribeye steak. It was just bread. I don't know, maybe maybe you do have caviar every day. Monique, I know you guys do, but as a family, but it was just whatever your regular food is, um, that's what he took, the normal, everyday stuff, like Wonder Bread. Classic white. So good. (laughs) Man, it's like sugary white gum. (laughs) Chocolate bar. Wonder bread. Which one? They're both dessert. (laughs) But it's the regular, the mundane, the common. It's just part of... Part of our everyday life. It's sitting on the kitchen counter. It wasn't anything extravagant. It's everyday life, like going to work, like cleaning toilets around the home, cleaning up the messes that your kids make. It's making supper. It's mowing the lawn. It's going for a bike ride with Neil in the dark. Just run-of-the-mill, everyday life. You know, if Matt was here, he would probably say, it's like going for a bike ride and beating everybody on the whole group, and it's like going to the zoo. To see the penguins. Just regular life. I don't know how many of you guys, never mind, I won't get into that. But I actually have a picture of Matt when he went to see the penguins for the first time. 
And I was so glad that I found this photo so that I could show you guys this morning. And here he is. He's at the Calgary Zoo. In the picture, I'm so, I'm also really thankful, speaking about Thanksgiving, I'm thankful that he's in Manitoba this weekend. And I can be here to share that picture of him. Um, you know, you, you can see he's smiling, he's so happy there. Because he'd, he'd only seen them on TV before, and he had no idea how big they were. And then he got there, and they were really big. And he was amazed. He's like, they're bigger than I thought they were. <laughs> Bread. Back to bread. Sorry, took a tangent with the penguins. Just run-of-the-mill everyday stuff, right? And Jesus said, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, whenever, whenever, every day, whenever you eat, all the time, you're announcing the Lord's death. You're announcing you're sharing in the Lord's death. We participate in the bread and the wine, giving thanks for life, and for death, and everything in between. See, that bread, when he broke it, it symbolized his broken body, which was for us. And he gave thanks. Eucharist ale. Give thanks for life, for bread, and for death, and everything in between. Gratitude is to be embedded into every moment, regardless of our circumstances. Easy to say, hard to do. To see the chorus grace and experience the deep chara joy in each moment. I'd like to take a look at another story. Um, it's in the Gospel of Luke. It's the story of the ten lepers. And some of you might have heard this story before. I'll just set the stage with the story of the ten lepers. So Jesus is traveling with his disciples. They're walking down the road, and they're heading for Jerusalem. And they're, they come to a city that's right on the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as they enter the town, as they enter the village, ten lepers are standing at a distance. And they're crying out to Jesus for mercy. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And we know what it's like. They, they live their entire lives distanced from everybody else. We get a little glimpse into what that was like, right? These days. So they're shouting to Jesus from a ways away, have mercy on us. And Jesus comes up to them and he talks to them. And they have leprosy and this terrible disease. And he says, what I want you to do is go show yourselves to the priest. Um, and so they head off to be inspected by the priest to see if they're clean or not. Well, they're not. They're, they have leprosy, so they can't go there. But they head off anyway, and they head in, and they're heading towards the tree, towards the priests. And this is fascinating. En route, they were cleansed of leprosy. They were healed on the way, along the path, to see the priests. Imagine as they're walking en route, and all of a sudden, they're well. So we'll pick up the story here in Luke chapter 17, verse 15 and on. It says one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Thankfulness. I heard this story probably a hundred times growing up in Sunday school. It was one of the ones that were on the loop. There was David and Goliath and Noah and the Ark, and some other horrific stories <laughs> that we looped through in Sunday school. and uh, and But this one would come up all the time. 
and they, they would, the, the message there was always to be thankful. One guy came back to be thankful, and the rest didn't even come back. So don't be like those guys. Be like the one that came back and was thankful. One of them, only one came back. That was a great lesson, remembering to be thankful, right? Um, but, but guess what the word here for thankful is? The word that's used in this story is Eucharisteo. Again, to give thanks. Eucharisteo, gratitude. Cara joy, caris grace. He returned to Jesus after being healed. When the other nine didn't, he returned full of gratitude and experienced joy in the grace that he'd received. And we carry on with the verse. It says, Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Something's not right here. Did you catch it? So how many people were healed on the way to the priests? How many? Ten. But then one comes back and gives thanks. And then Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. Weren't they all healed before? Did he heal them again? Did he heal them better? Did the the other ones get sick again and that one stayed healthy? No, something else is going on. The word for heal, when he talked about the ten men, is kathari. Say kathari. Kathari, it means to cleanse to heal. They were made well. They didn't have leprosy anymore. They were healed. Cathari. All ten experienced this healing, this cleansing from leprosy. But the word translated as healed, the second time it said when talking about just to the one individual who returned and gave thanks, is the word sozo. So it's actually not the same word he's using in both places. So it's not as confusing. He was sozo. And that's a word that we've talked about lots here. It's, it's the idea of being made whole, full, a full life, salvation, being saved. All those pieces come into that word. Matt's talked about it lots here. So it ought to read this way. So we get a clearer picture of what's going on. Jesus asked, didn't I cathari ten men? Where are the others? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has sozoed you. I don't know if that's the past tense of sozo, but but I've brought sozo to your life. You have received sozo, a full, that full life, saved, made whole. So let's look back to the previous verses again then. When did he receive sozo? When was he healed or when was he saved? It was when he returned and gave thanks. Fascinating. All of them were Cathari healed, but only one was Sozo healed. Our very saving is directly related to our gratitude. Wow. Why? Because salvation, sozo, it 
It's not a, salvation's not a, a formula. You need to believe in the exactly the right formula to get it. It's not a golden ticket you're handed so you can go to heaven. It's not just physical healing. Salvation, um, although it's, those pieces are embedded into that idea, but it's so much more. Salvation is found in Jesus. Salvation is Jesus. The one who returned and gave thanks to Jesus received it. He received that salvation. Remember Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will really live. I am life. I am salvation. It's in me you find that life. That sozo life. So let's pop back to the Last Supper. Some traditions call it the Eucharist. Some call it communion. Jesus gives thanks. He breaks the bread as his body would be broken and says, this is my body, take it and eat. Come to the table of gratitude, no matter your circumstances, and find life. Come to the table of gratitude and find life. I'd like to... I'd like to end this morning with a quote from one of my favorite authors, Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, and he wrote The Lord of the Rings. Lots of you guys probably read or seen those movies. And this is a clip. There's a, there's a quote from where Frodo is talking with Gandalf. And Frodo is the guy who's been given charge to carry the ring. And he's got a mission, on a mission to carry this ring. And it's a wild adventure he's on, but it's getting harder and harder every day. So much so he can barely carry the weight anymore. He says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened. And then Gandalf replies and says, so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to do is decide what to do with the time that is given us. I love that quote. The time that is given us. No matter the circumstances of the time that's given us. Maybe it's a season or a time given to us that has death in it. Like Jesus on the night he was betrayed. Gratitude. Maybe it's a season of life. Newborn kids in your family. Maybe it's life like the leper returning, full of joy, full of gratitude. Maybe it's just the bread and the juice. Maybe it's just the regular daily life. From pandemics to changing diapers from trips to the zoo and everything else. Gratitude. You know, it's easy to be thankful when uh, you're doing something you love or something great happens to you in that moment. It's the other times, the boring times, the difficult times, the stressful times, the excruciatingly painful times of our lives that we need to learn to infuse with Eucharisteo gratitude. All we have to do is decide what to do with the time that is given us. The grace of each moment. 
to see the grace, right? The chorus grace of each moment that is given to us in our lives. Every moment is a grace. And when we see that, like Jesus did, as he sat around with his friends knowing what was coming, and he saw that moment as a grace, and that it was given to us, then you have the choice what to do. What do you do with that time then? You fill it. You must begin to see every moment of life as grace and then fill it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to the one, the only one, who saves. So, please uh, bow with me and we'll pray. Father, thank you for uh, our example in Jesus. For the pain set before him, saw it with joy and grace and thanksgiving. May we be people who fill our lives with gratitude, that fill our lives every moment, no matter the circumstances, with gratitude. Day, or maybe you're listening online and you have never, maybe you have never given a thought to turning towards Jesus to be grateful. Maybe you're someone who feels like they've been um, healed, but they haven't been saved to that life of joy, that deep aura joy. Maybe you're somebody who has never even heard of Jesus. So today, no matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, Jesus is there. And maybe this morning is a time that you can turn and say, thank you, Jesus. Bring me that life. I pray that we would be a people. We would be a community that is grateful, that sees grace, and the joy in each moment of life and to turn back and say thank you. No matter our circumstances, on the good days and the bad, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, you can take a seat for a sec. We'd love to... Uh, We'd love to hit reset on 2020, wouldn't we? We'd love that. We'd, you know, we're not the only ones that would like to push reset. You know, those living in other years, other times, the, the 1300s when the plague took out half the population of Europe, they would like to reset that year. Their early church, when Christians were being killed by the Romans and the Roman Empire, they would like to reset some of those years. Not so many years ago when my dad passed away, I'd like to reset that year too. We don't get to hit reset. But with the days we're given, we need to find them as a grace each moment. And be thankful. And then something powerful comes. His name is Jesus. Doing going deeper questions 
over this season as we're going to carry that on. So if you want to do these around the table later at home or in your own time or, or whatever that looks like for you guys, but we're going to try and carry on this tradition we've started. Name three things you're grateful for today. Maybe you can do that around the table. Would you be willing to start the spiritual practice of thankfulness? Maybe starting a thankfulness journal. What's the difference between Kathari and Sozo? Talk about that together. Do you feel like you've been cleansed but not saved like the leper? who returned and gave thanks. What does Eucharisteo mean? And have the times we find ourselves in sidetracked you from living a life full of gratitude? If you would like to, we offer prayer minister here, if you'd like to be involved with that or want to receive prayer, please email at prayer at sunwestchurch.com and we'll connect you with that. Thanks again for joining us both online and here in person. Have a great week week, and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for being here.